Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. All right, are you ready for the Word today? Amen, amen. Uh, If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to an obscure passage in the Bible. Uh, It's found in John's Gospel, the third chapter. It's the 16th verse. I say obscure. You know that that's probably one of the most well-known scriptures, uh, passages in all of the Bible. And uh, I want to spend a few minutes this morning speaking to you about being fueled by love. You know, as we read uh, the, Paul's writing to, First Corinthian, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, Paul talks about love in that chapter. As a matter of fact, that has come to be known as the love chapter. And many times in, in our use of that chapter, we kind of wrest it from its context and we use it for our purposes to kind of, you know, undergird the points that we're trying to make. But if you explore that passage in its fullest context, actually what you find out that Paul's saying there is that this is not just about love as a subject matter. This is about love as being the undergirding catalyst for everything that you and I as Christians do. That, you know, it, it's a break. He's in, in this, he's talking about the, the purpose and the exercise of spiritual gifts. He actually stops there in the middle and says, hey, it doesn't matter if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. If you don't have love, you're just making noise. It doesn't matter if you give everything you've got and give your body over to be sacrificed. If you do it void of love, it's not really profitable. So today we're going to launch a series that we've entitled Fueled by Love and we're going to be taking this forward glance as we often do towards uh, at this time of year towards the cross of Calvary. We're going to be looking at Jesus' ministry here on earth and how that culminated with his death on the cross and we're going to be examining how that he by love was motivated in giving himself for us and hopefully from that we'll glean something about how we are to minister to those around us as well. So if you've got your spot there in John chapter 3, hang on to it for just a minute because I want to underscore for you here about love as a characteristic of God Almighty. Some people have mistakenly said that love is God. That's not true. God is love. It's at the very core of his being. It's at the very nature of who he is. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, God speaks to the pro- through the prophet to a wayward and often erring nation of Israel, and he says the following, The Lord has appeared to me of old and saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. How many of you can share that testimony today that you know that you have been drawn by the everlasting love of God? Do you, do you remember? Do you remember back in the day? You remember back in the day when you were undone, when you were bound in your sin and, you know, you were just bearing the weight of guilt and condemnation and you just, you know, you just, you just knew that something was off? 
But at the same time, you could sense the gentle pull and draw of the Holy Spirit. It was the love of God being poured out in your life, drawing you to himself. You remember that? Sometimes, sometimes we just, we need to go back to the altar sometimes and just reacquaint ourselves, you know. The, the, the songwriter wrote, I never shall forget the day when all the burdens of my heart were rolled away. It made me happy, glad, and free. Amen. And we, need to, we need to reacquaint ourselves with that about the time when the love of God drew us. The psalmist says, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, Lord. You know why we come in this house and sing? It's not simply because it's the prescribed order or the tradition of man or something that we're supposed to do. It's because he's worthy, because he has loved us with an everlasting love, and the very least that we can do is to take lips of clay and fashion them in a word of praise and use the air in our lungs to express the glory of God and say, Lord, you are worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise today. Because of your loving kindness, my lips will praise you and I will bless your name to the New Testament church John writes in his epistles and says in 1st John chapter 4 if I were to sing this to you many of you can remember this from kids church but we're just going to read it here from the text today beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. You know, many people in our world today, they see God as this seething figure, just this figure that's seething in anger, and he's got all this pent-up aggression, and he's just bent on judging the world. Just, he's just waiting for the moment for the cosmic smackdown. And, and you know, when it comes, oh, he's just going to be released, right? And don't misunderstand me. God is just. Our God is a just God. Yes, he's a loving God, but he's also a just God. And there will come a day when disobedience and immorality will meet the swift and sure judgment of God. There, there's coming a day when this world will be assured that the word of the Lord is the final say and that there's no other above it. That this, this world is going to be judged by the righteous standard of the scripture that has been breathed from the heart of God. There's going to be no way around it and that's how this world is going to be judged. But I want you to understand also that the judgment of the world is not something in which God is going to take great pleasure. As a matter of fact, you know, God loves the entire world and it's not his desire to condemn it Therefore, he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice. As a matter of fact, if you remember, Jesus said, the Son of Man has not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. Now, that's not to say that God loves the Antichrist systems of the world. We, we need to be clear in making that distinction between what the world is. For God so loved the world are the people. 
But then when we're challenged later in the New Testament, love not the world, neither the things therein, that's the, that's the antichrist systems of a fallen world that we're supposed to shun and stay away from. So we need, to be, we need to be clear in that distinction because sometimes, church, I've got to tell you that we can, we can really embrace that love not the world thing and, you know, it makes us us who are here on the inside and them who are out there. And that's not the way that God intended it. That's not the way that God intended it. That's why we see Jesus at the house of the tax collector and the sinner. That's why we see Jesus, you know, commingling there with the offscourings of the earth so that he can in- introduce blessing into their lives. Can I tell you today, church, you are a city that's set upon a hill and your light ought to shine in the darkness of this world. It's hard to, it's hard to impact people when you're not touching people, Right? So we need to be clear on that. But, but, you know, God's motivation to send Jesus was fueled by love. His love for you and I. And Jesus' ministry here on the earth, all the way up to his death on the cross, was fueled by that same unconditional, all-powerful love. And, and here we are, we're counting down to one of my favorite days of the year, Resurrection Sunday. And this is a time, a season through the year when, that we as believers come together specifically to commemorate the crucifixion and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, pastor, don't we do that every single week? Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We talk about the resurrection power of Christ. We talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified week after week after week. But it's good to take a more intentional look at the passion narrative and see what Jesus has done for us and understand it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Of all the complexities that religion makes out of Christianity, at the core of it, it's a very simple thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I know that's not what they taught you at the prophecy seminar. I got that. But that's the basics of it. And, and, and the word says that unless we come to Jesus as a little child, with that level of understanding, then we're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. We've got to come in that simplicity and embrace him in his work on the cross and his resurrection, right? So if you grew up in the church, there's a chance you've heard the story about Jesus told many, many times. And maybe some of you are here today or watching online and you're, you know, it's your first time hearing this narrative. Either way, it is extremely important and powerful because When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was paying a debt that we owed that we could not pay. He hung there in our stead. And when this happened, many of those standing around the cross, and even some of us today, our assumption is that because there is a physical and fleshly body that has been crucified that it was the nails that held him there to the cross that my friend is an erred and flawed understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus and the atoning work of the Lamb of God because it indeed was not the nails that held him to the cross Jesus said no man takes my life freely I lay it down I'm giving it for you it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross it was his love 
It was his love for you and I because we learn in the word that he could have called legions of angels. He could have, he could have called for his rescue. But because he loved you and I so much, he hung there and said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Now, here's this picture of such great sacrificial, unconditional love, and along with it come the instructions from Jesus to us. A new commandment I leave you, John chapter 13, that you love one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, brother. How you doing? No, 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 no. As I have loved you. Hello, what? As I have loved you. Also, love one another. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how Jesus has loved us. And just like the early disciples, we're going to learn from Jesus through the word how to love others and how Jesus was motivated by love and what kept him engaged through the difficulty of his mission and why he would trade his life for ours. But today I want to focus back on our text of John 3.16 about two things here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, okay? Today I want to focus on the beginning of this verse and there are two crucial statements that are made here that are going to be fundamental and, and very instructive for us and there are two crucial statements made by Jesus here and I want us to take a look at them. First of all is that God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Now you can do one of those little things like people do and where it says world, you can fill it in with a blank and put your name there. It, is, it works just as good, you know, to say that for God so loved Steve. Because can I tell you this? Can I tell you this, that I stand here today in a pulpit and I'm sharing the word with you, but there was a day that I was just as lost and I was just as undone as anybody else out there on the street today. I was just as jacked up as anybody else was, but the love of God broke through it all. The love of God reached down and redeemed me and drew me to himself. And I am, as our young ladies worshiped too earlier, I am clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am clean clean through the blood of the lamb i am clean because he has loved me with an everlasting love here's the irony of it for god so loved the greek word that's used there is one of four greek words that's used to describe love and this is the word agape Agape love is very different than the world's interpretation of love that is thrust upon you and I on a daily basis that's more of an erotic, sensual kind of thing. Agape love is, is a love that's without terms, without conditions. There are no asterisks beside its description because there is no fine print disclaimer at the bottom of the page. It just simply means love. 
As a matter of fact, the, 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 the tragedy in our generation is that honestly, love has been reduced to a feeling or an emotion. You know, we, we fall into love, we fall out of love, we somewhere in between, we're melancholy, whatever the case. But can I tell you, I would argue today if it really came down to fine print and just really making a stand somewhere today, I would, have to, I would have to propose to you today that I don't even believe that love is a noun. I don't believe it's a subject, a thing. I believe that love is a verb. Because love is not necessarily as much something you have as it is something you do. It's something you give. And, and the kind of love that we're called to is a love that's without terms, without conditions. It is a love that is, we are to demonstrate recognizing that we have first been loved by God in that manner. And being loved by God in that manner, we are called to love others in the same way that he's loved us. I'm just going to dive right in your business, okay? How many of you know that sometimes you can, you can love people as a matter of choice and you don't like them? Right? You, you can love people and not like them. As a matter of fact, there, there's some of you in this place right now. You are sitting beside a sweet something right now, and you will confess that there are times that you love them, but boy, they get on your nerves. Easy, brother. Easy. Easy. My counseling doc is full. You, you, know, I'm, you know it's true. I love that woman right there. I would walk across hot ashes for her. But sometimes I get on her nerves. You see what I did there? I love my wife's husband. That's just all I'm saying. I ain't trying to get him in trouble. You hear me? Right? So. But can I, can I take this? Because that's That's easy. Like, that's an easy choice. That's an easy choice. You know, our, our world, though, has, has reduced the idea of love. We have a lot of people in our, in our generation, they, they are dissolving unions of holy matrimony that were made before God on the basis of irreconcilable differences. Do you know what that means? Can I, can I give you, now, honestly, there, there are abusive things, there's matters of infidelity, and I'm not advocating for you that you would subject or submit yourself to any of that. I mean, provisions are made, and don't stay in a place of harm, okay? But, but understand this, Let, can I reduce for you what the legal term of irreconcilable differences means? What that really means is I chose not to love that other person enough to put myself on the altar once in a while. To sacrifice what I want for what they want. To give up maybe some of what I need to satisfy their need. There are times that, you know, you might have to go reluctantly, but you need to go. Might not be your favorite thing, but it's theirs. It ministers to them. 
Now, we, we've got this here in the context of the house and, and all that, and that's good, and we understand that, and we've understood life's lesson there, but can I tell you something? There are people out there, they, they don't espouse the same political ideologies that you do. Jesus said, as I have loved you, you love them. Can I tell you, there are some people out there who, who embrace a different kind of lifestyle and have a different definition, a very skewed and, and unsettling definition of what love is. And, you know, there's something in us that wells up. There, there's a righteousness that wells up in us, and there should be a check in our spirit on those issues. But can I tell you that we're called to love them nonetheless? Can I, can I tell you that, you know, um, sometimes we need to love people enough just, we need to love people enough to say the right things, and then sometimes we need to love people enough to shut up, <laughs> right? Because I've got to tell you, there, there's some days, and I'm just being perfectly honest with you, I look at my social media feeds, and I have to love people enough just to not say anything. Because I'm thoroughly irritated, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? No. You know, certainly not. No, no, no. Listen, so, so God so loved, and this is the kind of love. You understand that, that when it says that God so loved, it's speaking about a people who had not gotten themselves together, who had not checked the boxes, who did not fit the mold, who did not look the part, who did not behave appropriately, who were at, the word says, enmity against God, yet he loved them anyway, and God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us you are you getting that this morning and he gave number two for God so loved the world that he gave and God does indeed love regardless of of where we've been what we've done and we also know that God displayed his love for us by sending his own son and what does that mean for us as a pattern here because the, the, the instruction that goes along here is, as I have loved you, you love others. Right? So, he gave. He gave. What, what would be for many of us an unimaginable gift? Can you imagine giving? Something so dear. Something so precious, something far above the worth of what you... Do you understand? When, when God looked at us and said, I'm going to give my son for them to hang on a cross to bear the penalty of their sin so that by his blood they can be cleansed. You understand that when he did that, we, we're often looking at ROI. We, we don't want to invest unless we can see the return. We're not loving unless we can get love back. We're not, we're not giving unless, somebody's, unless we're receiving somewhere down the line. It's just, it's just a common cycle in our world. But you understand that when, when God looked down on us, there was nothing of value. There was no way. He didn't look at me and say, oh my God, this is going to bless the kingdom here. He didn't look at you and say, oh, Jesus, Lord, what he could add to my wealth and my well-being. No, none of that. We, we, we stand at the altar empty-handed and just say, Lord, all, all I've got to offer is my heart. 
I got nothing else. All I've got is my heart and a, a, a half broke down old carcass and, and God with that I'll be willing to glorify you and bring honor to your name but that's all I've got I've got no means to enrich you I've got no means to make you better but God you can make me whole and through the brokenness in my life your wholeness will begin to shine through and others will see your glory in my life and that's all I've got and Lord that's what I give He gave, and I think God's desire for us in response is utterly clear from the passage we read earlier that we, he wants us to just reciprocate the love and love others the same way that he loved us. And you know what? It can be so easy. It can be so easy to love friends and family and those that reciprocate the feeling back to us. But what about the people that wronged you? What about the person who stole from you? What about the person who cheated you? What about the person that shares a different political ideology than you do? What about, what about the person who says hard things about, you know, maybe somebody that thinks, acts, looks like you do. What, what about that? How, how do we love them then? We love them the way that Jesus loved us. And it all seems to come down to how willing are we to show the same amount of grace that we've received. You know, in our culture, we're taught that the, the minute that somebody does something that you don't like, you cancel them. Right? You, you just cut them off. You, you blacklist them, put them to the side. They're just... And you know what? I'd, I'd like to say that that's a worldly thing. Oh, it's a worldly thing. Cancel culture. You know, and I'm, I'm tired of it too. I got you. But can I tell you what? The, the Christian organization's been doing that a long time. We're going to boycott this group. We're going, to, we're going to do this, do that. You know, it's really hard to impact people when you're not touching people. I can't, I can't boycott you and love you and minister to you all at the same time. Because all, all my, I'm, and, and if you're on that train, that's good. You, I'm, I got the microphone. It's okay. You entitled your opinion and I love you. But can I tell you this? A lot of times, some of those things we call being righteous just look mean right and and unloving and and we really need to get a hold of that church because it's going to be the love of God through us first to those in the house that by all this men will know that you're my disciples by your love one for another and then as that love radiates out they will see the sincere love of God that has made a change on the inside of us and they will be drawn to the father And as impossible as this seems, that's what we're being called to do. Unconditional, sacrificial, agape love. No asterisks, no disclaimers, no fine print. Just to love other people the way that Jesus loved us. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.